Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. It's awesome when we're away preaching and sharing and uh, God's opening doors prophetically for us to minister and stir up churches. Carl Butler was there yesterday, so he he sends his greetings um, to you and we had a uh, really awesome time. Tonight I want to talk about one of the things that tries to rob us from victory. And like Pete was talking about Rocky, there's one one of these things that comes to try and rob you from victory and that is worry. W O double R Y. God wants us to be warriors, not worriers. And worry is something that just at times grabs all of our hearts and some of us seem to have the worry gene and we just seem to slip into worry really quickly. When something goes wrong, we start worrying about it and we worry what might happen and I believe God wants to speak to our hearts. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33. And this is part of Jesus' awesome teaching on the mountain. And it's a great truth. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Uh Uh-oh, some of us took half an hour to try and decide what we're going to wear tonight. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? One of the versions said a single cubit, which was a length of the forearm, which is about uh, 45 centimetres long. Because if you worry, you, you just can't add any more time to your life, and you can't add any more height to your body. Some people want more height and some people have got too much, so that's okay. And do not worry about your clothes. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of Little faith. Oh, boy. Jesus just made a few enemies there. You of little faith. God's saying if we let worry rule us, we all have moments where we get concerned and and worry, but when it starts to rule you, Jesus said, hey, your faith has been diminished and decreased. It goes on and uh, says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love Jesus. He just told it like it is, hey? We have challenges in life. Plenty of situations come and go in our lives. But Jesus is teaching, don't let worry consume you and try and make it worse. Worry is basically meditating on the fearful, negative things of your life or the things that might happen instead of trusting God and saying, Lord, you're my heavenly Father. And so Jesus goes through and gives us some pictures of his creation, the birds, uh, the, the flowers, the fields, and tries to get us to see that he is our awesome Father. Someone said, worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. 
It'll give you something to do, but it'll never get you anywhere. <laughs> Keep you busy, but you're not going to make any progress. Like if you jump in the car and drive or you go walking or running, you're going to make some destination. But a rocking chair, you just go back and forward. And worrying is just going back and forward in your mind on things that don't help you progress forward. That's why Jesus is really challenging this. Our pressure-packed world offers countless opportunities for anxiety, anguish, and in a word, worry. Mate, it's, it's dangerous to watch the, the news sometimes because you end up just full of fear and anxiety and worry. Think, oh, is someone going to press this button and is, is that bomb going to happen? And, and there's just so much sad negative news around that we can end up worrying about things that we've got no control over apart from praying about them. And we get, our, we get on information overload. Facebook, social media, internet, they're awesome things, but sometimes you get into emotional and information overload and you end up worrying and fearful about things that you probably don't need to be involved in. Doesn't mean you become a hermit. I love to know what's happening on so I can, around the world so I can pray and be alert and aware, but sometimes we just swamp ourselves with stuff that we don't need to be exposed to. There's enough challenges with the the people in our world and in our own lives. No wonder many of us spend way too much time worrying. We sometimes worry about something in the past that can never be changed. We can't go back and change the past. And God won't dig up the past unless it's affecting your present and future. When you come to Christ and ask Him to forgive you of sin, He does it by His blood. But He will only revisit things of the past if they are affecting your present and future, like unresolved trauma and pain or unforgiveness or wounds and disappointments and failures that you've just stuffed and buried instead of dealing with it and taking to God and letting Him heal and release. So Jesus will revisit our past when and if He knows we need to so that we can be free to live fully now and embrace the future. So don't be afraid if some things come up that it's God. If the enemy brings stuff up, he condemns you and attacks your identity and tells you you're a failure and you're no good. If the Holy Spirit brings stuff up, there'll be a sense of truth about it. You'll start to see it with new eyes. You'll say, wow, bring it to the cross and bring it to my love and let the fear go and he will heal the trauma and pain of your past so that you can be free to embrace the future. That's our gracious Heavenly Father. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth. But often we spend a whole lot of time worrying about the past, thinking, if only that hadn't happened. If I, only I hadn't made that choice. If only I hadn't got in that relationship. If only I'd have more self-control over myself at that crucial time. And we can let worry about the past just drain you and you've got no energy for the future. Someone said worry is like using tomorrow's emotional energy today so you've got none left to face the future. Some of you are nodding your head saying, yeah, I, you, you, we've all had times where we've done that. I remember when I was just a child, I lived on a farm and there was a big fire happened in Crow's Nest, the little town four kilometres away. And I remember seeing the glow and a whole pile of shops got burnt down. And I remember as about a seven-year-old, I let worry and fear grip me for a few nights and any little sound, I was wondering whether our house was going to burn down. You know how a child just processes and can't sort of put space and distance? And I remember, and I remember um, my mum and dad 
prayed about that because they realised some of us kids were worried because we didn't have fires happen very often in a town and everyone was affected and talking about it at the school. And I remember they prayed for us not to let worry and fear control our minds. And there are things that can happen in our past. And God, by His grace, wants to heal and release and set us free. Other times, we worry about something in the present over which we can't change anyway. We can't change something, so why waste worry on it? Let's have energy and focus on the things we can change or manage or control. That's what God gives us faith for. And then we often worry about things in the future that never ever happen. One psychologist said at least 90% of the things we worry about never ever happen. The other 10% are going to happen, so don't waste energy worrying about it. Get prepared so you can deal with it and face it. I think that's good wisdom. But the sin nature will cause us to worry instead of trust. And God wants to help us to overcome. Looking back over our lives, we can see that most of the things that we worried about that might happen in the future never ever did. And if you're honest with yourself, some of the things you worried about that might happen never ever did. And those that did happen... You needed God's help to get through it anyway because you couldn't solve it. And so Jesus is very clear here. We will only overcome our worries when we understand his, this great truth that God does not want us to suffer on our own. He frowns on and discourages us from worrying. He even very clearly commands us, don't worry. He says, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, your body, what you'll wear. Food, clothes, all of those things. Because he's an amazing provider. He's our heavenly father. And so Jesus is trying to teach um, the crowds. Here's a few points about worry. It's foolish to worry. It's not wisdom at all. It just drains your energy, gets you focused on negative things. And some people have been raised in homes or environments where worry was sort of the second language. And, and it takes time to try and turn that around. But with God's grace, he can renew your mind. He can put faith in there. He can put hope in there. So if you've been naturally a warrior by your personality or your environment that you were raised in, let me tell you, when you come to Christ, you've, you're a new creation. You've got a new heavenly father. You've got a new family of faith and love. And by God's grace, we can start to break those cycles. And we've got to speak to those, those inner thoughts and the, the inner speech that goes on in our head and in our hearts. And when fear and worry starts to arise that you're not going to make it, it's going to be too hard. Many kids, when they go to school with exams, they start to worry they're going to fail. And it's, it's such a consuming thing. And God wants us to be able to have hope and faith for the future. So let's look at this first uh, question in context. He was encouraging us to look at the birds of the air. They don't plant crops or gather a harvest. They don't build sheds or maintain storehouses of food. The Heavenly Father simply feeds them, a fact that prompted Jesus to ask his listeners, are you not of more value than they? That's a really good question. And I love birds, but we've got some crows living in a tree near our place and every morning they seem to wake us up about an hour before sunrise. They're worse than the kookaburras. If I can find their nest, I'm going to move them on 
lovingly. And we won't ask Matt to come and deal with them. <laughs> but I, I love watching birds and, and, and how they get food. And just the other day, we were out at Point Vernon and we saw one of the ospreys, a sea eagle, go flying over top and it had a great big fish in its talons. And he sat up in the tree above us and just ate this fish as we watched. I've never seen a sea eagle with a fish and watch it eat. And it sort of, there's millions of fish out there and it caught one in its talons <clears throat> and it was being fed. God provides for the birds of the air. And he talks about a sparrow. One, sparrows are tiny little birds. Didn't talk about a big eagle or a sea eagle or the crows or others that are around. He, he picked a little sparrow. They're so tiny. And uh, he said in another scripture that a sparrow is worth a couple of copper coins. That was the value they had in their, uh, in their system back then. If uh, someone was selling a sparrow, it was worth a couple of copper coins, a few cents. So Jesus picks out one of the smallest birds and says, hey, if the father can look after them and provide whatever they... I'm not, I'm not sure what sparrow's diet is. Probably grubs and seeds. I'm not sure what they eat or flies. I hope they take a few mozzies out or something. Be some use. But the father says, I'll provide for even the smallest sparrow. And he said, how much more valuable are you and I as his sons and daughters? And he's trying to get us to remember, let's do the right comparisons so that we don't worry unnecessarily about things that we can trust the Lord for. And he knows we're human. That's why he, he taught this to the people 2,000 years ago. And it's still relevant today. Instead of using a great eagle, he just spoke about the little sparrow. And Matthew 10, 29 says, Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. He knows even when every sparrow dies. These tiny birds were just so tiny. And they were vastly inferior and of less value than you and I. So it makes sense our sovereign God who provides for the birds and cares infinitely more about you and me will also provide for our needs. A famous singer, Ethel Waters, used to sing the words of the song at the Billy Graham meetings. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he cares for me. Some of the folks that are a bit older know that song. <coughs> the younger one's saying, huh, never heard that one before. It's not the latest Hillsong one. <coughs> I read this poem as well. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Wow. So number one, it's foolish to worry. Second thing, it's futile to worry. It's just a waste of time and energy. It's not only foolish, but it's futile or a waste of time. Jesus asked, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his height? That's about 45 centimetres. And some shorter people, Tim and I were in Thailand recently and, and a lot of the Thai people are really short. And they look at us giants and they think, whoa. But you can't try and get taller just by worrying and thinking about it. That meaning of that word can also mean time. So it's not just uh, height. The word suggests 
duration of life. Worrying will not increase your physical size, elevate your standing in the community, improve your reputation, or as Jesus taught, add any length to your life. Wow. Our times are truly in God's hands. Psalm 139.16 says, Our days on earth are already numbered before we lived a single one of them or had our first breath. That takes a whole lot of worry about our lives. And sometimes when we get overwhelmed or depressed and even sometimes lose hope and despair for life itself, hold on to the truth that the Father God loves you and has created you. And even when things seem so desperate and so destitute and you are in despair, which can happen to us in this journey of life sometimes, the Father is reaching out and saying, don't despair. I've numbered the days of your life and don't cut it short. And I, when, when we pray for people and saying, when people are seriously ill and they're saying, we're not sure if we're going to live or not. Often I pray and say, Lord, all the days numbered in your book for this person is going to be fulfilled. And you exercise faith and say, God, we're going to believe and trust that every day that you have planned for this person's life will be fulfilled and the enemy will not cut it short and we will choose not to pull back from that plan. And that gives you a, it gives you a peace about every day. Whether things are going tough or awesome, you can say, God, I know this day is a day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Even though things can be tough, we can rejoice and be glad. If we're parents or school teachers, we can speak life and hope over the kids, the children that we have influence over. If you're a chaplain in a school with our friends, I'm amazed how many people's lives are in turmoil and pain and lose hope. And even just while we're in Brisbane, we met, we met someone, we won't mention names, but we met someone and we knew had gone through a tough time. We didn't realize that last year they were suicidal and in despair for a considerable period of time and we were unaware. And they just shared with us while we were in Brisbane um, the pain they went through. And I thought, dear God, went through a broken relationship and just tore their heart out. I thought, Lord, there are so many people around that don't have hope. And Jesus is the hope. We were singing that song about the hope. And I shared a message a few weeks ago. The one who has the greatest hope has the greatest influence. So in your life, in your family, in your circle of friends, in your workplace, if you have and speak out hope, let me tell you, doors will open, people will open their hearts because they want to hang out around people of hope. They're, they're, they're willing to share the burdens with one another, but when someone shows up with some hope, hey, it, things are tough, but I believe that God can turn this around. And you share your own story. So, hey, there was a time when I went through a great storm and I wasn't sure how I was going to come out the other side. Or I went through a great time of sickness or brokenness in relationships and I didn't know which way to turn. But now I know, looking back, that God was with me all the way. The old footprints in the sand uh, poem where one set of prints and you're saying, God, you abandoned me. He says, no, that's where I carried you. <coughs> and we need to be reminded of that truth. And there's a lot of people in our community just need to know there is hope for their lives. Jesus came to bring great hope. And we need to speak it, live it, demonstrate it. Sometimes an act of kindness, a word of encouragement, a gift when it's not their birthday or Christmas to surprise them can just put 
adrenaline in their souls. They say, wow, someone loves me for who I am, not just because it's my birthday or it's Christmas, but they just love me and accept me. That brings hope. It adds value to people's lives. It really does. The power of a gift. And so Jesus is teaching here <coughs> that it's futile to worry. It's foolish to worry. So what, what do we worry about? What does it do for you? Absolutely nothing positive and will certainly reduce your quality of life. One of the biggest challenges when trying not to worry about a problem is to hurry toward a solution. But no matter how serious a situation looked, Jesus never hurried to solve it. You ever notice that the Bible never talks about Jesus in in a rush or a hurry? We're always running around doing stuff. But Jesus was raising people from the dead... He was healing people, feeding multitudes, teaching, challenging, discipling, doing all sorts of things. But no time do you see that Jesus was in a hurry or a rush. And some might say, well, that was just the times they lived in. Things were at a bit slower pace. And they were. But I believe there's a great truth here. Not once in the gospel do we find Jesus saying, oh, let's go. We have to hurry or we'll be late for the miracle. I don't find that at all. He arrived in his time, which was God's time, and the breakthroughs happened. We worry when God doesn't answer our prayer when we think it should happen. We struggle with trust when the breakthrough doesn't happen. When you've been praying for a job, or you've been praying for a godly husband or wife to come along and for to be the partner for your life. And sometimes we get frustrated in the waiting process. But the waiting process is where God's preparing us for the next stage of breakthrough or fulfillment. Waiting rather than hurrying, learning to wait on the Lord is essential to overcoming worry. Throughout the Bible and especially in the Psalms, we are continually told to wait on the Lord. Psalm 136.6 says, My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Consider this comparison. First, we have to wait for the sunrise. We cannot hurry it. Have you ever been out there trying to get the sun to rise early? I remember when I was about 15, I worked on my uncle's dairy farm. And uh, they worked long hours. We milked a couple hundred cows and we'd be uh, making hay during the day and fencing and irrigating it. I used to fall into bed exhausted. One morning I woke up early and it was sort of just fairly light and I thought I'll get up early and start getting the cows and help, help the family out. Well, I was only 15 and I, thought it, and I didn't have my watch on me and I thought it must have been about 4.30 and about to get sunrise. So I go out. There was sort of a half a moon. It wasn't a full moon. And I'm trying to get these cows to move. They're all sleeping and wouldn't move. I'm sitting on, I'm on this rock on this hill thing and these cows won't move. It's, can't they see it's about daylight? Because normally at daylight they'll start moving because they know they're going to get fed and get milked. After a while, there was no way they were going to move and I'm trying to prod them and get them going. So I sort of wandered back to the house and I looked at the clock. It was 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, they weren't going to move. They knew the time, but I didn't. I was trying to hurry things along, but there's no way they were going to budge on me. We're sleeping. <laughs> I'd never forgotten that story. I never told the family. 
And they would have laughed. At, they would, I would have been the butt of their jokes for, for weeks and weeks. <coughs> Sometimes we want to hurry things up and God says, hey, there's a cycle and a season and just trust me. And so the sun comes up every day. Even if we set the, uh, the clock back on, the, the hand on the clock back an hour, it doesn't, doesn't speed up the sunrise, doesn't it? It's going to come when God says... It's going to happen. So the sun always rises. We never wait in vain for the sun. Every sunset since creation has been followed by a sunrise and God is just as faithful as the sun he created. Wow. Those who wait on him are like those who watch for the morning. He is always right on time and no matter how desperate we may be, we can count on God to rise and meet us according to his perfect timing. Worrying has never solved a single problem. In fact, it has complicated and compounded many of them. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its trials, but it often empties today of its triumphs and victories. Worrying usually accomplishes nothing good. You say, well, how am I going to get out of this stuff? Worrying is also frustrating. It just brings frustration. And it, it, it also is, means that your faith is less in Christ when you're letting worry rule you. So let's have a look. One more scripture to finish up. Philippians 4 verses 6 to 8. <coughs> Just to get some helpful clues that we can arise and grow in freedom and strength. Philippians 4, 6 to 8. One of my favorite passages along with a few hundred others. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Couldn't, couldn't the writer just say only little things or things that are just a few of the biggies you can worry about? It says, don't be anxious or worry about anything, but in every situation, and here's the answer to help us deal with worry and anxiety, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let's stay on that one for a minute. Go back to verse 6. So it says prayer. That first word prayer is general prayer or relationship or intimacy with the Lord. Worship, prayer, it's our relationship of trust and love and intimacy with the Lord. Petition is when you specifically pray about the issue that's causing you worry or anxiety. Whether it's financial, you've lost your job and you're thinking, oh God, how are you going to provide? Or it's a health issue, or it's a family issue, or there's, there's something... That's causing us concern. And we always have those concerns. We always do. When you have pain, if you let worry and fear rule you, you're wondering how many more days you've got left to live, you know? But if you think, I'm going to get to the doctor, or I'm going to get this sorted out, I'm going to get this diagnosed, and then you can address it with faith. So petition is particular prayer or bringing that request to God that is causing you the worry or anxiety. Then it says, with thanksgiving. I reckon this is where we remind ourselves the sun rises every day. This is where we remind ourselves that we are more valuable than the birds of the field. This is where we remind ourselves that God will provide for our clothes. This is where we remind ourselves that God will provide for our shelter. That God will provide for our emotional, physical, spiritual, uh, mental well-being because God says that he will be bring abundant life he will bring freedom he will bring joy he will bring hope he will 
he's created us, so therefore he's going to provide for us. And so that's three little points is one of the best ways I know and biblically how to deal with worry and anxiety. Number one, in every situation, by prayer. So you've got a relationship of prayer, devotions, worship, thanking God every day. Whatever you do for prayers. I thank God my parents taught me to pray every night. And we taught our kids to pray and to trust God. And some of us weren't raised with that. But when you become a Christian, you can pray that every day. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There's no one starving in heaven. No one that's struggling with uh, not sufficient clothes. No one's struggling, hey, who took my tent in heaven? We've all got place to live. So as it is in heaven, that's what you're going to do on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. So we pray and say, God, I know you're going to provide our food naturally and spiritually. Forgive us our trespasses or sins where we've offended or wounded or hurt others. Forgive us as we forgive them. Lead us not into temptation. Worry is a temptation for some of us because it seems to be easier to worry than to go through the faith steps that we've just talked about. For yours is the kingdom and the power, the thanksgiving. Then it goes on and says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Wow, wow, wow. You can still be in the middle of a battle and you, the answer hasn't come yet and your mind's saying, God, I'm trusting you but we still don't have the answer. I still don't have a job. Lord, I still don't have a breakthrough in this family relationship. God, why has this not happened yet? And we can worry and get anxious or we can say, Lord, your peace has given me an assurance that you're going to watch over and provide for me. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that picture. We've got these big guards, as big as you want them to be, as well armed as you need them to be. Those guards are going to guard your heart. That's where your emotions are. That's where worry and fear can just so sometimes you get you can get sick with worry you know sometimes we're we're worried about the I remember when I was a kid I was brought up on the farm and my dad taught us how to chop wood and we had a big wood stove and I remember one day I wasn't watching as I was chopping and I almost chopped one of my big toes off a great big and it was painful chopped straight from a shoe and 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 I could see white in there and I realized I'd cut one of my tendons. Thankfully, it wasn't the main tendon. It was the tendon for the end little part of the toe. But I remember for about a week, I was worrying sick whether my... Because if your big toe's not working properly and it falls off, you lose your balance. It affects so many things. Just one little part of your body. I remember that I was sick with worry. My mum and dad prayed, got it sorted. And thankfully it healed up and I still got a mark that has shown me, be careful when you're using an axe. <laughs> I've chopped wood for all my life. But sometimes you can get sick with worry. Especially finances, they just, they just mess you up. You know, when you've got more bills and not enough money and the, the jobs hasn't happened and contracts haven't come and unexpected bills come and then the car breaks down and and it can, you can get sick with worry in your heart. But it says, God's peace will stand guard over your heart and your mind. Oh, mate, some of us have got very active imaginations. And they can, 
they can paint all these incredible pictures in our minds. And if it's driven by worry or fear, anxiety, you're going to create pictures of yourself injured or alone or struggling to have enough to meet your commitments. And, and those pictures will come if that's what we allow to rule our minds. But it says God's peace is going to stand guard. I love that picture. Over your heart, your emotions, your feelings, and over your mind, the thinking processes, where you dream and vision. And because that's where faith comes in and trust. And the Holy Spirit will start to paint pictures on your mind of the incredible things He can do in and through you. That's, that's the realm of prophecies and dreams and faith in our hearts. Then it goes on, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Oh, sisters, sorry, brothers and sisters. I didn't see the word sisters up there because the time clock's over the sisters. I'm sorry. <laughs> whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Just leave that list up there for a while. We're not going to go through and tick it off and say, yeah, 8 out of 10, 1 out of 10 on that one. But these are just some things that the Apostle Paul wrote and said, hey, if you want to help deal with worry and anxiety, make sure you're filling your heart and mind with as many of those as possible. And if you read the Scriptures, it'll fill you. Get some podcasts from great sermons and, and fill your mind. Get the Scripture on, on your phone and, and, and let it speak to you. If you find you worry at night, put some music on before you go, some, some Christian music and fill your mind with that before you go to sleep. Or some people go to sleep with the, with the scriptures playing in their ears or in their room. It changes the atmosphere. And let me tell you, the peace of God comes. The peace of God comes. If it's, if it's work or it's your family situation is the stressful place of your life. Whatever it is, make a deliberate choice to say, Lord, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take some steps to make sure my mind is guarded. That's a choice. I thank you. Holy Spirit is here in this simple but powerful passage that Jesus taught. And then he finished off the passage says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you need will be added to you. Food, clothes, protection, resources, whatever that looks like. Our Father says He'll provide. Let's stand in His presence. Let's take a moment to thank Him for that the sun rises every day and His Word is true. His word is true. Oh, Jesus. Close your eyes and just lift your heart to heaven. Let hope fill your heart tonight. If you're doing well in this area, tonight's just an encouragement to keep doing it, but maybe to alert you that there's a lot of people around that are carrying worry and fear and anxiety. Those families you meet at school, people in the workplace, Sometimes even close to us, our husbands or wives or children or parents, sometimes there's deep fears and worries over their lives. I just feel the Holy Spirit drawing right close 
now to fill our hearts. And we're going to sing this beautiful song and just let the presence of Jesus come to bring hope. And then we're going to pray just for a few things tonight that different ones will identify with. And I want us to deliberately take a faith step and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this area of my life. Oh, Jesus. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. 